Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 22. We'll be in verses 39 through 46 as we continue uh, through our verse-by-verse study of the book of Luke, kind of heading towards the end now. As you, as you turn there, let me ask a question. What's the hardest decision you've ever had to struggle with? Was it a hard conversation? Was it a financial sacrifice that you had to make? Was it a bitter breakup? Was it once upon a time a, a boyfriend or girlfriend you just had to say, okay, it's done? When you had to face that decision, when you had to face that, did it cause anxiety? Some stress? If the pain was deep enough, did it cause actual physical pain? We're coming to a part of the passion where Jesus is very much aware of what is coming. In the moment, we see the humanity of Jesus in torment over the deity of his mission. In verse 39, it says, Jesus came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him, and when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Let us pray. God, I thank you so much for the, day, the time we have together. I thank you for this moment. And God, I pray as we, as we bear down into your word that you would open the eyes of our hearts. I pray, God, that not a single word would come out of my mouth that is not first anointed and blessed by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this is a passage, as I said, we're kind of nearing into. In a couple of hours, we will be into the passion of, of the Christ. And so we're at this moment where uh, last week we looked at Jesus was at the Lord's Supper and he begins to talk to Peter and says, Hey, Peter, I want to let you know that the enemy has requested to have you. And he began to talk to the disciples, letting them know that uh, tough times are ahead. And, and it is at the end of this meal he gets up and he goes to, the, uh, to, to Gethsemane or the Mount of Olives. This narrative appears in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke. And in Matthew and Mark, the Gospels focus on the weakness of the disciples. The Gospel focuses on Jesus coming and praying and coming back and finding them asleep and then going back and praying and finding them asleep again. It says, come on, guys, and he goes back and he finds them asleep again. Matthew and Mark focus on the weakness of the disciples. Luke, however, chooses to focus on the prayer of Christ. He focuses on the agony and the prayer and the humanity of Jesus in this moment. So we're going to explore this word in a couple of different ways, and then we're going to kind of find a transferable principle for ourselves. The first thing I want us to look at, that Jesus in this moment calls us to pray. 
Jesus moved from his discussion with them about what's to come to retreating away to spend the time of prayer. He says in verse 40, and when, he time came, and when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. He called them to pray, knowing the battle that was to come in just a few short hours. So when he got to the, to the place where he, uh, in the Mount of Olives, uh, when he came and went, as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives, this place, Gethsemane, this was kind of a, a favorite place of his to go and to pray. I mean, do any of you have that place? Do any of you have that location where you go there and you just, it just seems to be a special place for you to pray? Maybe it's walking along the beach. Maybe it's a, a, a location. Maybe it's going to the mountains and you just feel the sense of God. Maybe it's, maybe it's a chair in your house. You spent so many times having, uh, having a quiet time in that chair. Every time you sit in that chair, it's almost like, a, almost like a, a, a response, a Pavlovian response. Every time I sit here, I pray. Uh, you know, and so maybe there, there's that thing. And this was kind of that place for Jesus. That was his spot to go and to pray. And, and so as he went, as was his custom to go and to pray, he called them to pray. They were following him. They said, okay, what's Jesus up to now? And he went to go pray. And he said, hey, guys, I need you to pray. Again, knowing what was coming, he was calling his disciples to pray. And, and, and so that's what I want to focus on today. If we're going to focus on any part of this narrative, I would rather not focus on the laziness of the disciples. I would rather not focus on how we tend to drift asleep when we're supposed to be alert. No, I'd rather focus on what Jesus called them to do, and that was to pray. So verse 40 calls us to pray, and then verse 41 through 42, you see the cry to the Father. Too often our prayers are either A, a pious rhetoric when we are heard by others. Sometimes our prayers are simply flowery talk to others. Like when you're praying in front of other people, you're really, your heart's not in it. You just want to make sure you say the right religious godly words so that people say... I know people like that. I know someone that, man, when she prays, I'm like, whoo, it's revival time. Of course, then you hang out with her, and it's like, no, it's not. You know, but, but the point is, when she prays, it's like, whoo, she knows how to do it. And so some people have that, you know, they, they focus so much on the, the piety of their prayer, the religiosity of their prayer, there's not any heart in it. Or... They're so insincere because they don't want to be vulnerable or open even to God. And so many of our prayers are left so superficial, so, so inadequate because we refuse to be open to God. And so what I want us to see here in this next couple of verses is, is an example of Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of God, and how He cries to the Father. You see, He comes in verse 41 through 42, it says, And He withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then verse 43, we're going to get to this in a second, when the angel appeared to him and, and supported him. In verse 44, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. 
You see, Jesus shows us what a cry to the Father looks like. Jesus shows us when, when you're facing something, what it looks like to truly pray, to truly go after God in prayer. He shows us it very methodically what it takes to cry out to the Father. And it's two things, honesty and humility. Honesty and humility. The first thing is honesty. He says, take this cup from me. You see, Jesus is fully God and fully man. And the fully God part of Jesus knows what's coming. He knows what the next couple of hours is going to entail. He knows it will entail physical pain, the likes of which you and I have not seen. And beyond that, he knows the spiritual pain that's coming his way because on the cross he will take the sins of the world upon himself. And so the, the part of Jesus that's 100% man, he's like, God, I don't want to do this. And every one of you would have prayed the same thing. How many times have you faced something you knew you had to do, but you're like, God, I don't want to do this. I know I have to make this decision. I know I have to do this, but I don't want to. How many times have you, have you faced that and just been honest with God and said, Lord, this hurts? Maybe it's releasing something. Maybe it's releasing someone. Whatever it is, whatever the decision you're facing, you come before God. Be honest with God. A cry to the Father first compels you to honesty. To where you say, I don't want to do this. God says, Jesus says, listen, I don't want to do this. It's going to hurt. I really don't want to do it. And the second part is just as important, and that's Humility. He follows it up by saying, but not my will, but yours be done. He said, I really don't want to do this, God, but I, it's not about me. Not my will, God, but yours. It, it's that humility. Uh, Andrew Murray, uh, he, he, his definition for humility is total dependence upon God. And, and so when you are in a moment when you're facing a crisis, when you're facing struggle, when you come to God and you cry out to the Father, let it be a mixture of honesty and humility. If you read the Psalms, spend some time in the Psalms, in the Psalms you see that mixture all the time, the honesty and the humility. And there's something special about being honest with God. There's something special about acknowledging, I don't have this all figured out. And there's also something special about going to God and saying, I don't like this. That's okay. To go to God and say, I don't like where this is going, God. Because that honesty opens up that vulnerability in your spirit and allows God to come in deeper. That honesty and that humility is how we cry to the Father. And then thirdly, we see how Jesus has peace, receives peace over the panic. In verse 43, and there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And in agony, he prayed more earnestly. I want you to notice that. Two things I want you to notice about this. I mean... Picture this, that as Jesus was in agony, as Jesus was tormenting, he's like, God, help me. And God sent him an angel to strengthen him. First thing, just side note. 
Imagine being that angel. Imagine being in glory and getting that call. God coming to you and saying, hey, Jesus needs you. The honor of that angel going down to humanity to bless and encourage and remind Jesus of the mission. But know that God sent that angel to strengthen him. But the agony didn't go away. And that should be, that should be I don't know, oddly, sickly encouraging to us. Because God sent the strength, God sent the, sent the, the, the encouragement, but the agony didn't go away. So many times we think that if God sends the Holy Spirit to encourage us, if God gives us something to encourage us, that all of a sudden everything's going to go away. It's not like when we're a toddler and mommy kisses a boo-boo and all of a sudden it doesn't hurt anymore. No, God can send encouragement, but that gives you strength to even go deeper. God's Word says that the angel came... And gave encouragement. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. That just gave him strength to go even deeper. In this scene, we see the humanity of Jesus. And we need to remember that Jesus was 100% God, but he was 100% human. The deity foreknew what was to come, but the humanity anguished. When aggression comes psychologists say when, you, when you're uh, confronted with something, when you're confronted with aggression, when you're confronted with uh, any sort of danger, it says that we people develop a flight or fight mentality. In other words, if something comes at you, if, you're, if a bad guy shows up, you're going to do one of two things. You're, Bring it, bro. You know, you're you're going to fight or you're going to say, shoo! You're out of there, all right? One of those two things are going to happen. The same thing happens spiritually. When aggression comes, when conflict comes, we develop a flight or fight mentality spiritually. Let's unpack that. The flight mentality spiritually is the spirit of panic. And how do we, fi- how do we flight in, in spiritual? When, when we have comp- something come against us spiritually, what do we do? A lot of times we either have a spirit of control is one way we, fl- one way we flee that uh, uh, conflict. We have a spirit of control. In other words, God, instead of me giving this to you, releasing this to you, I'm going to take it back from you. And instead of, instead of allowing you to, to give me peace, I'm going to take it back from you and I'm going to control every facet because deep down, even though I call you Lord, I don't trust you that's one way we we flee from conflict another way is we just escape it outright we just run we run away and we 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 use a spirit of escape and so when that conflict comes we run away and instead of addressing it we cover it with something we cover it with drugs we cover it with alcohol we cover it with uh, video games. We cover it with TV. We cover it with anything you can think of that is not actually addressing it or actually addressing the Lord. So that's the flight. That's what happens when you run away. Or we fight. The spirit of prayer is our battle. The fight belongs to the Lord, 
Ephesians chapter 6 says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. In other words, the battle belongs to the Lord. You see, how do we fight? We, we have a, tons of ways that we fight. We have tons of ways that we run away. But how do we g- dig in? When the, when the conflict comes, how do we dig in and we fight? The fight is in our prayer. The fight is when we come together. When Jesus saw the conflict, when Jesus, when, when Jesus was facing the, the, the agony, when he was facing the conflict, what did he do? He knelt down and prayed. That is our fight. The battle belongs to the Lord. So how do we apply this to life? What are the transferable principles that we can, we can address in our life? So I have a couple of things of how to have peace over panic in your own life. Number one, you have to admit your weakness. Admit that your will, that your flesh, or that your heart is bent towards sin. Admit that your will, that your heart is, 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 is weak. That if you are relying on your own strength, you're going to fall. Acknowledge that. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, The Son of God, the first thing he said is, I don't want to do this. Take this away. That is the definition of weakness. I don't want to bear this. I can't handle this. Take it away. Admit your weakness that you can't do it. And that leads into number two, don't try to fight on your own. There is no place in Scripture where you are commanded to dig in your heels Bear down and face temptation on your own. Nowhere it says that. God helps those who help themselves is not in the Bible. Look it up. Not now. Later, look it up. And if you go out there, the Bible says God helps those who help. You fail. F. Your pastor gives you an F. No. It doesn't say that. So stop carrying that. Stop thinking that you have to do it all on your own, that God tells you to pick yourselves up by your bootstraps. God's Word doesn't say that. This is what God's Word says in Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Everything in God's Word says you can't do this on your own. Everything in God's Word says you guys are a hot mess. Your life is a dumpster fire on your own. Don't do it on your own. Everything in Scripture points to that. Stop trying to do it on your own. Number three, develop a radical dependence on Christ. We must develop a life where we know our strength, our blessings, our victories come from, they come from the Lord. We have to have a radical dependence on Christ that everything you have, that you give everything away because everything is dependent upon God. My heart, my my, my gifts, my talents, everything belongs to the Lord. I'm going to lean on Him. I will sacrifice everything so that I can make sure that I am in the right relationship with Jesus. We need to have a radical dependence on God, not upon the government, not upon anything else, only God.
Number four, always defer to God's will. Jesus says in the garden, not my will but yours. Jesus says in the Lord's prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The idea is it's God's will, not your will. The idea is it's God's will, not your will. Always defer to God's will. We must never suffer under the delusion that we are on equal footing with God. We've got to get out of that mindset. We've got to push back on that mindset. I mean, there, there are songs, and the scripture backs this song up. It's not a bad song, but I am a friend of God, and we have this spirit that, that we're walking hand in hand with God, and, you know, the footprints thing, we're walking with God, God's walking with me, and there's a, there's a, there's a part of that. But if that ever leads to the idea that you and God are on equal footing, you're in trouble. My stepdad, when I lived in this house, when we lived together, he had this, this phrase that I hated. He would say, this is not a democracy. He would say something. He would bring up a rule or he would bring up something that needed to be done. And me or my brother or my sister would say, yeah, but, and we would, you know, kind of form our own opinions. And he'd say, yeah, this is not a democracy. Your vote doesn't count. And it's kind of like we go to God, and God says, you know, this is, this, is, this is what I've called you to do. Yeah, well, God, I have this plan, and I think I should do this, and I think we would be better off doing this. Here is this. No. You and God are not on equal footing. It's not like you could come to God and God, and God say, well, dang, that's a good idea. I never thought about that. No, that doesn't exist. Always defer to God's will. Finally, watch God work through you. Keep your eyes open so that you can see the victories that exist. It's easy to get bogged down in the struggle and not see the progress. Keep your eyes open because what you have to do when the struggle comes today, don't forget that he overcame the struggle yesterday. Don't forget that you had a struggle last year that he saw you through. And if he did then, he will again. And so what you have to do is remember, remember and watch God working through you and remember that. Write it down. I have journals. I have a whole, whole shelf of journals where I, I write down what God has done. I write down where I'm crying and whining and complaining and then... You know, the next page is, oops, never mind, God, you're awesome. You know, and it was like, I have a whole stack of journals that do that. And you're like, well, Sean, I don't write anymore. Okay, well, just Facebook it. You face everything, Facebook everything else, you know. But throw out there, when God does something, celebrate it. Write it down so that you can look back on it and say, hey, I'm struggling today, but God got me through this yesterday. Remember and allow him to work through you and then remember what he did. It amazes me. I say this a lot, but it's so true. It amazes me how I thank God that he's there at the end of the rope, you know? Because that's when most of us experience this. Most of us experience the humility and the honesty when we're at the end of the rope. What frustrates me is why I didn't go to him when he was there the whole length of the rope. 
He was there the whole time. Why did I have to wait to the end to say, God, help me? Why do I always have to wait to the end of the rope before I say, Lord, I can't do this? In a moment, we're going to have a time of prayer. Before we go into communion, I just want to have a time where we're just able to do this, to just cry out to the Father. Uh, you, you can stay in your seats or uh, I'll, I'll be up here, Audrey will be up here if you want to come and just have one of us pray over you. That's appropriate as well. But just know that Jesus, the Son of God, the Alpha, the Omega, the King of kings and Lord of lords, needed time of prayer and encouragement. So don't feel ashamed or don't feel weak that you have to as well. This morning I was doing my quiet time in the passage the title was the purpose of prayer and this is uh, Oswald Chambers here and I just highlighted a couple of things I thought was really hit me this morning and was appropriate to the message prayer is the way that the life of God in us is nourished we look upon prayer simply as a means of getting things for ourselves but the biblical purpose of prayer is that we may get to know God himself you see, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those of you who are a believer here have the Holy Spirit within you. The way you nourish that relationship with the Holy Spirit is through prayer. He goes on to say, to say that prayer changes things is not as close to the truth as saying prayer changes me. You see, Jesus knew full well at the Garden of Gethsemane when he was praying, he knew full well that that prayer was not, that prayer did not exist to change God's mind. That prayer existed to change Jesus' heart, to strengthen his heart. Oftentimes, we go to God saying, change these change the circumstance when God's like, no, I'm not going to change the circumstance, but if you, if you stay with me, if you keep plugging in with me, I'll change your heart. And so right now, I just want to take a moment, so if all heads bowed, all eyes closed. I just want you to take a moment and just Ask the Holy Spirit to examine your heart. Be honest with Him right now. What are you really struggling with? Be humble. Recognize you can't do this on your own. The battle belongs to the Lord. But if you're facing some, some really hard stuff, the first service had someone come up and just facing some really tough stuff, man. They just need prayer. That's where the battle is fought. If you're here today and you're just facing some hard things, you can stay where you are and just reach in and just push in to God. If you need to, you come up here.
Audra and I will be glad to. Um, Travis is here if you need to pray. Come on up and just receive prayer. Spirit of God, right now, I just ask that you would move in this place. Move in our hearts and allow us to be vulnerable. Allow us to have the courage to cry out to you. Because life is hard and some of us are facing some big things, God, and we need you. Give us courage to step out in Jesus' name. Take these moments now.